want to give a honor to my Lord Jesus Christ and Pastor Larry for allowing me the opportunity to share uh, the Word of God with this pulpit. I know you guard it um, with uh, the, uh, the position in the pulpit. It's a sacred place, and you don't allow anybody just to come up here. So I am grateful for this opportunity to be able to share God's Word and thankful for my lovely wife that has been with me, my helpmate, my barbecue rib that has... <laughs> continue with me. So we'll, as we say that, let's get this thing started. Lord Jesus, thank you for your grace, mercy, and kindness. Thank you for this day that you have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for the people that are here. Thank you for the exciting time in this community, Lord, as you work in and through your servants, God, to reach the nations, the neighborhoods, Lord. What a wonderful opportunity to share in this salvation and share the salvation that we have and let the world see that it's not only the way we talk and walk, but the way we live and the way we love one another so that they can know that we're your disciples, God. And thank you for the nations right here, Lord, as heaven is the nations, Lord, your people. We love you, Jesus, for it's your name we pray. Amen. Are you living as if God is worthy of your worship? That's the question to ponder today. As a youngster, my sin nature and my environment taught me to live for me. I was programmed through my environmental experiences that God could be used for my benefit and my agenda. I believed if I would just sing and pray and pay money, everything would be all right with God. I was even taught if I cry and sincerely wanted something, God would give it to me as long as I kept worshiping through praise and prayer and payment. It was not until later through alcoholism and divorce and suicidal ideation that I came to the end of myself and into a relationship with God through trusting Jesus Christ at the age of 30. My life was transformed and I began the process of understanding and walking with God in a daily state of worship. Through the witness of others and reading God's word, the Holy Spirit revealed to me God's truth about a worship-filled relationship with God. Brothers and sisters, worship of the Most High God is more than just singing a few songs. It is more than crying and praying in an emotional fit. It is more than just paying tithes. All those, th those things are necessary, you know, uh, no payment, no program, right? We got to have money to have our ministries. These things may be included in worship, but one of the most important things that I've learned about worship is that it involves listening to God's Word and responding by living your life according to God's direction. Worshiping God also requires sacrifice. It 
will cost you. But not just your material stuff. Real worship of God is the sacrificial giving of your entire life to God every single day. Are you living as if God is worthy of your worship? Our text today is found in Romans 12, starting at the first chapter, and it reads, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In our text, I believe Paul explained to his listeners four basic actions for a transformed life in Christ. So today, brothers and sisters, I want you to consider and experience God's transformation as we examine these four actions that I believe are necessary for everyday Christian worship. Number one, the first action necessary for God to transform your life is living with God's mercy in view. Living with God's mercy in view. I believe this first action is the most important because it gives us the proper perspective of everything through God's eyes. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Paul speaks to his readers throughout this letter about the mercies of God. Brothers, sisters, Paul understood that if you grasp the mercies of God in your life, yet you did not respond to God's mercy with worship, then you will find yourself like those he addressed in Romans 1 and 18, and it reads, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became fruitful in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. Listen, if you don't accept and acknowledge that God has shown you mercy, then it's impossible for your life to be transformed by God. If you don't accept and acknowledge God has shown you mercy, then it is impossible for your life to be transformed by God. Paul viewed his life through the mercies of God. This view calls Paul's life to be transformed by God, enabling him to write Romans, other New Testament letters, and establish many churches in the known world in his time. All this happened because Paul heard the word of God, he trusted God, and his life was continued changed by God. Listen to Paul's testimony. Acts 26, 9. We're doing Bible drills. 
So then I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were put, being put to death, I cast my lot, I cast my vote against them. Before Paul had an encounter with the living God, he participated in the death of Stephen, and he caused harm to many Christians. But once God's word revealed to Paul who he was and who he was without God's mercy, Paul was changed and saw life from a different perspective. He saw his life through the mercies of God, and with that view, he understood that he deserved, like us, death for all our wrongs. He also understood there was nothing that he or we could do to make our wrongs right except, except God's mercy through Jesus Christ. Because of Paul's view of life through the mercy of God, he wrote Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. With this view of God's mercy, Paul continued to write, and it led him into a lifestyle of worship. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 12 and 15, It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Jesus, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason... I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example of those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul's life was transformed and he worshiped God through his living like he had received mercy. So what about you today? How should your life differ with God's mercy in view, brothers and sisters? I'm going to give you a walking point, a biblical walking point. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Now, what that's telling me, brothers and sisters, uh, since God has shown us mercy in spite of our sins and in spite of our mess-ups, I reckon Christians, Christ followers, that we should do the same. So, Today, if God reveals to you that you have not shown someone mercy and forgiven them, you need to pray and ask God to help you as you forgive them. That, my brother and sister, is walking towards God and allowing him to transform you by your actions of showing mercy to those whom you think don't deserve mercy in your eyes. So number one action, 
necessary for God to transform your life is living with God's mercy in view. And the number two is giving up your life daily to God. Giving up your life daily to God. They go hand in hand. You will not be able to give up your life daily to God without having a proper perspective of God's mercy in your personal life. Again, you will not be able to give up your life daily to God without having a proper perspective of God's mercy in your personal life. Giving up your life daily is the result of a sacrificed life to God. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in the mercy, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So how does giving up your life daily as a sacrifice to God look? Well, I got a couple biblical examples. First, we're going to look at Jesus, our Savior, and we're going to look at God the Father, how they model this sacrificial giving. In Mark, the 14th chapter, around the 32nd verse, there's, a, there's the uh, scene of Jesus, and he's with his disciples at Gethsemane. And it's right before the time that um, uh, Judas would betray him and that they would come in and take him away and later crucify him. And then this uh, verse 32 says, they came to the place named Gethsemane, and he said, this is Jesus to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. In verse 36, and he was saying, Jesus saying this, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but your will. Not my will, but your will be done. This is our model for giving up our life daily to God. His will over and above our will. Christians, we should understand that because of our view of God's mercy in our life and because of Jesus' example of giving up his life activities to the will of God the Father, we should be willing to do the same because through the Holy Spirit, he has made us able to do these things. This is an example of Jesus, but what about the Father? We quote a scripture all the time to folks and you see it on TV and different places and even the well, you know, the demons know the word of God, but many pagans or people that don't go to church or people that don't have anything with God knows John 3, 16. It's one of the most quoted scriptures throughout time. And it's one that most folks miss the sacrificial giving of God the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God gave. The Greek word gave paints the picture of what God did and how we're trying to live today. The word gave means to give of one own accord with good will, spoken of sacrifice to present. It matches our text today in Romans 12, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brother, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. 
The word sacrifice is accompanied by other words that help put sacrifice in context. The first word noted is present. It means to place beside or near, to place a personal thing at one's disposal, to bring into one's fellowship or intimacy. The word sacrifice connects with the word present, indicates that God is expecting that all Christians lay down their lives to Christ as a living, active, total package to God. This is where it gets sticky. To be utilized whenever, wherever, and however he chooses. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave the living sacrifice, Jesus, to pay for our sins and to present us with mercy. So here's the walking point. How is your life going to look different this week as you give up your life to God daily? As a garrison family life chaplain, uh, the Army has blessed me to be able to get another master's degree and one in marriage and family therapy. And so I sit down with couples all the time, and I'm refereeing, encouraging, rebuking between the relationships. And so I understand that in this world, we have different relationships. And so to apply this to your lives this week, probably today, you're going to be dealing with one of those relationships you're in, good, bad, and ugly. So how do we deal with those relationships, right? Well, here's the walking point. You need to deal with all your relationships, good, bad, and ugly, by acting and reacting according to God's word. No matter how you feel. Well, I feel like they've just been using me and hurting me. What you think? Well, I think God wouldn't want me to forgive because what they did was really, really bad or the end results. Well, if I forgive them, all they're going to do is do it again. Do you really want God to transform your life? Then you need to live your life with God's mercy in view and give it up daily to his will. The third action necessary for God to transform your life is refusing to conform to the easy road of life. Refusing to conform to the easy road of life. And do not be conformed to this world. Many people have conformed to this world, the easy road of life, because there's a part of them, there's a part of me, there's a part of you trying to satisfy deep longing to be okay. Whether it's through a traditional religious ritual or feel-good urges or even the peer pressure that our youth face in schools and their surroundings, people want to be okay with themselves and others. Thus, sometimes uh, it is more convenient to take the easy route in life and conform to the world's standard of living. You look on TV, and I know some of y'all in here watch TV, and y'all see all the stars and that's on TV, whether in sports or whether they're a comedian or what have you, and uh, you see them going back and forth between marriages and things. Uh, the old saying, you know, when I get, when I get a certain age, I'm going to turn my 40-year-old for 220s. 
You see, the world tells us that when we're tired of a relationship, we can trade it in like a car. But brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the easy road of life. Uh, it's like uh, a story my grandma told me. It's easy to take the easy road. Uh, my, my auntie, she, was, uh, she would get married. And uh, so I got up there, and they're ready for the wedding and everything. And so uh, the uh, preacher turned to her and said, hey, do you uh, promise to submit and obey your husband? And she said, well, I'll try. He said, well, uh, will you uh, promise to be there to death, do you part? Well, I'll try. So T.T. continued to say, I'll try, right? But that's not what the Word of God says, right? My grandma said, well, why, why you keep saying I'll try? I said, I will, I do. She said, well, Mama, I don't want to lie to God in the church. I'm going to try what I can do. But as Christians, that is not our perspective. We don't need to conform to the world. So I'm going to put my family business out there, right? So another thing I learned, a good illustration of conforming, is the environment I grew up in. My uncle said, when you're having problems with your spouse, right, with your wife, just leave for a couple of days. Come back. When you get back, everything going to be all right. Ain't going to be no arguing or fussing. Can I be honest with you, that didn't, that didn't work for me. <laughs> Don't conform to that, young folks, because that ain't going to work. And my uncle that told me that, he still ain't married. Okay? <laughs> so that's something that you don't want to be. The book tells us in Ephesians, the fifth chapter, husband love your wife as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. It says to, to wives, it's challenged you saying, hey, submit to your own husband, not somebody else's husband, as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also the head of the church. These are difficult sayings, right? But when God gives you a charge, you and I, he's talking directly to us. It don't matter about the other person, right? So if my wife is not being respectful or she's not submitting, which later on, First Peter, you got these that talked about, you know, your prayers being hindered, and you talk, it talks about also in the book that you, 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 uh, you give yourself to one another, you uh, submit to one another in the love of Christ, right? So even if she doesn't do what she's supposed to do, God already charged us men, right? I said love her. Well, what if she don't cook that fried fish like I want? Or what if she don't do this? It says love like Christ loved the church. Christ died for the church. He didn't abandon the church. He gave his all and says, Father, your will be done, not my will. And we're supposed to take that same example. We're supposed to say, you know, I've been with my wife 25 years. She's having a bad week. She's having a bad month. She's having a bad year. But Lord, your will be done. I'm going to love her, right? Right? Well, my husband ain't doing what he's supposed to be doing, so I ain't going to respect him. But God told you that you're supposed to respect and the husband's supposed to love. Do you want to have your life transformed by God? Embrace true worship of God by living like he has shown you mercy, giving up your life to him daily and refusing to conform to the easy road of life. And number four, the fourth action 
Renew your mind every day through communication with God. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The word transform is the same word used transfigured. Jesus was transfigured on the mountain when he was up there with his disciples and met with God the Father and uh, Moses and Elijah. To be transformed means you are no longer totally who you used to be. You have the caterpillar. A caterpillar is transformed into a butterfly. Though the caterpillar has some of the same components of its former self, it is changed with a new nature. Once the caterpillar could only see things from a ground level perspective, but now as a butterfly, it is changed and given the ability to see things and to do things with a different perspective, a different view. Listen to what Paul says using the same word transform, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. This transformation from God comes as our mind is renewed by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Our mind is renewed by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. Not through what Grandma and them used to say, or Auntie and them used to say, that's very good, but if it compares to what Grandma and them say to the Word of God, I'm going to go with the Word of God, okay? I'll take the beating later on. When we look at the word renewing of your mind, note that this is a continual process. Now, there are many times in our life when we allow the world to distract us from our daily renewal with God. When this happens, we can end up looking at our situation or our issues in our life from the perspective of a caterpillar again. As we get ready to land this plane, we can look at the example of Elijah. You guys know Elijah was a great prophet, and God used him mightily. Uh, he announced uh, to Ahab, the king, that there was going to be a drought, and there was a drought, but God provided for him, right? Fed him through the ravens, helped him uh, to facilitate the widows being taken care of and her, and her son. And, and then the big throwdown at Mount Carmen where he went there and he says, hey, you know, Israel, y'all got to choose who is God for real. Is it Baal, these false gods, or is it, you know, the living God? So they did the sacrifice, right? They set up the altars. They put the sacrifice on there and says, the real God is going to answer by fire. And them, them folks, they jumped around for a minute, the Baal worshipers, they hit the music, doom, 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 doom. They dancing and they cutting themselves, but guess what? Nothing happened. And then Elijah called down to heaven, called up from heaven, and God just boom. He answered. And they said, The Lord is God, the Lord is God. Elijah, Elijah, Elijah. But then something happened. Elijah got distracted from his purpose that God called him from, just like we can. And so Elijah experienced Jezebel. Now, I'm wondering who's your Jezebel in your life? What or who is distracting you from having that relationship with God, that continual renewal with God every day in his word? Maybe it's being so task-orientated. Maybe it's you've been threatened. But Elijah, he ran off. He ran off. He left his assistant, his deacon, his elder, left him and went on by himself and was ready to die. 
But God sent someone. God sent an angel to help Elijah out. He brought him water, brought him a little bread, told him to rest and get ready to, to move out, right? Sometimes God is calling you to be that angel in somebody's life, to be able to minister to them. But one thing about God is that he doesn't leave us right there. He comes in person. This is what's so important about the Word of God and renewing yourself every day with the Word of God. The story of Elijah tells us about the there was an earthquake and fire and the wind blowing, tearing up the mountain, all kind of stuff. And then a still whisper came, a hush. And God came to Elijah. It's good to have an angel minister to you, but nothing's like being renewed in the presence of God. And God came to Elijah. He didn't rebuke him like, what in the world are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Elijah? What are you doing here? Well, blah, 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 blah. He didn't even go there. He let him finish and said, hey, I need you to go and anoint this guy to be king. I need you to take um, Elisha, and I need you to mentor him. God continue to use him. There may be times in your life where you are getting off focus because Jezebel came between you and you renewing your mind with God. You have to get in the Word of God every day. You can't take a vacation from God. You can't go down into Mexico or wherever and be off in that beach and stuff and say, well, I'm just going to live like I want to for this week and everything. And then you look over there, they go deacon like, don't tell nobody. Do you want your life to be transformed by God? Today is the day. Refuse the easy road of life. Give up your life daily to God and then continue to live like God has shown you mercy. Brothers and sisters, you can do this. Today is the day to start allowing God to renew your mind. And today is the day to start your everyday communication with God if you haven't had that. And the results will be a transformed life that is in line with God. And then you will be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect.